0: It was so difficult. He would be um, two inches from me crying and yelling and asking for the same thing over and over, and it would go sometimes until 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And there was one night, Colleen, where uh, there was no way for me to separate from it, and I needed to separate from it. Max needed separation so that he could calm down. I really had nowhere to go but to walk out into my front yard and get in the car and jump in the front seat and lock the door. And I felt so defeated and so humiliated, and to see my child standing on the porch yelling out, you know, Mom, I'll calm down, I'll calm down. And just sitting there quietly, I remember initially thinking, my neighbors just must be looking out the window and people would not believe how complicated autism can get. You're listening to the Refraining Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindall thompson
1: Hi, my name is Colleen Swindall thompson and I am so thrilled to introduce a repeated guest for us, Emily Colson. Thank you for being with us, Emily.
0: Hey, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Colleen.
1: And I'm thrilled that you're here again. You've done a few things since our last interview. You are now on the board for the Colson Center, mother of Max, who's now 25 and is diagnosed with autism. Um, Your involvements also include writing and speaking all over the place, which is amazing. And in the middle of trying to write your next book, you're busy taking Max to three different jobs and his Zumba class. (laughs) I hope I got all that. Um, Emily, last time when we talked, you were in the middle of the transition that parents go through with autistic children Mm -hmm. and or children with disabilities of any kind who age out of the school system. Your father had just passed away, and it was an incredibly hard time. Catch us up a little bit on where you've come in the last few years. Yeah,
0: it's uh, it's an adventure. I, I think uh, when I spoke to you last call on this interview, um, there was so much going on. Oh, my goodness. And um, the good news is there is just as much going on right now. <laughs> it is uh, it's a, a very full schedule, full life. Max graduated from his special needs school three years ago. In Massachusetts, when you turn 22, you're done with school. So, he has now been three years in the adult system. Hmm. Um, I I have to say, all things considered, and and there have been many challenges, he has actually made more progress in the past three years than perhaps at any other time period in his life. So, I hope that's an encouragement to those that are listening that have kids with special needs, in particular autism. Um, He is more social than he was before. I think he's just, he is being challenged Mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, We're very fortunate that Max has lots of interesting things to do and things that challenge him in supported ways. Uh, He has three different, very part-time jobs. (laughs) He works in a car wash which he loves because they put Max in charge of vacuums. And Max, the- <laughs> that's a dream job. That's his dream <laughs> job, he's the ultimate expert in vacuum cleaners. If he had a life motto in military terms, it would be no dirt left behind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they love vacuums and fans. So I can't even imagine. He probably yes. just loves what he yes. does. He works in a uh,
0: convenience store one morning a week, and he works in a busy seafood restaurant one morning a week. And that's on Cape Cod. That's a, a seasonal job. And he loves that. Let me tell you the Can I tell you the neat thing about this job, Colleen? Uh, last summer on the 4th of July, I thought there is no way I can get Max to this job with the amount of traffic trying to get to Cape Cod, which is all tourism. Oh my. And I thought there's no way I can get Max to that job without it being a two-hour commute each way. So a few days before his shift, I wrote to them and I explained the situation, assuming that, of course, they would understand that was impossible to get to. And they immediately sent me an email back saying, we completely understand about the traffic, but there is not any time to have somebody else cover Max's shift. So they said, in the future we asked for more time and they said we would tell this to any other employee and Max is as important to this team as anyone else
1: how fantastic was that isn't that
0: great it was the most humbling moment for me and the best moment for me you know i i had sort of been protecting him thinking uh, well of course he can't go to his job and the employer let me know he is a vital part. His his work is important. He is just like any other member of the team. And you better believe we drove that two hours and got to that job. Yeah, you
1: probably camped out. Now, <laughs> there was a lot of worry because I know you looked at different centers. I know the Northeast has phenomenal support systems. However, you have to pursue those. And I remember you looking from place to place to place and Max was not as developed as you're explaining now, I mean, he struggled a lot more. And what kinds of skills, or what did you, what did the Lord help you cultivate as you went through the process?
0: Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. He is still uh, he has very a lot of challenges. He's not um, he's not an easy guy to manage. We've been very fortunate that. God has surrounded us with some really good support people Hmm. that understand Max, that know how to work with Max. And that's made all the difference. He doesn't get dropped off at a job. He has someone with him all the time. And uh, however, he's so proud to be in his job Hmm. that he doesn't actually need as much support on the job as he does in the rest of his life. But he's definitely a 24 hour a day Full supervision kind of guy. He is yeah. A, yeah. a, he's a, you know, a, a high, it, it's high impact autism. <laughs> Let's go.
1: Right. It. Well, that leads me because I did some research on when he was diagnosed so many years ago, which is way before. You know, we have this whole autism thing, and might I say, for everyone who's listening or watching, one in six children or school-age students today have some kind of learning disability or developmental disability. So if you don't know someone with autism, it doesn't matter because you will know someone with a developmental disability of some kind or meet someone along the way, and that's why this is such an incredibly important discussion. Um, John was diagnosed three years after Max's age, but when Max was diagnosed way back in the 90s, I looked up and there wasn't even legislation for any kind of education or schooling for any child diagnosed with a developmental disability or with autism. In 91, they finally put um, an autistic diagnostic interview into a published manual so people could start checking out for this. 1992, it entered the DSM-IV, which is the Diagnostic Manual, which talked about the medical side of it as well. And then, this was astounding, Emily. In the early 90s, with the new diagnostic tool and categories, they were able to start measuring the number of people who were diagnosed with autism. From 1993 to 2003, the number of American school children with autism diagnosed increased 800 percent and between 2000 and 2010 the number went from one and 150 to one in 68. now in 2015 as we know it's one in 45 and in korea of all places it's one in 38. Oh my so it's an invisible disability but it is a full impact 24 7 mm-hmm. disability like you said The cost alone for a lifetime of a child with autism is 1.4 million. You and I can attest to that. (laughs) Now I know why I'm broke. But they usually, between 60 and 80%, also have some kind of mental impairment or intellectual disability, which used to be called mental retardation. And the cost for raising a child with those two diagnoses alone is $2.4 million. And that's measuring the personal family, the medical, the education, and now also the parents' time away from work that mm-hmm. is taken because of the demands of a mm-hmm. child or a young one with autism. With all of that said and all of the statistics, it can be a bit daunting. I would wonder, how would, what would you say to someone today who may be facing this diagnosis um, when you hear these kind of numbers? yeah,
0: it's really startling. Um, when when Max was diagnosed, we really didn't even have clear numbers of how many kids there were diagnosed with autism. It was somewhere around one in ten thousand, right. maybe four in ten thousand I heard. They, they were very sketchy numbers. and And, of course, now it's one in sixty eight. Mm-hmm. So I think that the the first thing we really have to pay attention. With, with when we hear numbers like that is is what you are saying is that we're going to meet people with autism mm-hmm. it's no longer this small population and it isn't going to affect me it isn't going to touch my family it isn't going to be in my circle mm-hmm. it it is now it is so i i think one of the things we have to do as the church is begin to look at those startling numbers. And I I think we are. I think as the church, capital C church, we are beginning to really think through uh, how do we step in and be present for these families? What is our role in this? Um, I think that the role of the church and how we begin to support and love and include and embrace these families will actually change some of those other numbers of, yeah. of cost. It's not that the church is going to replace uh, the education system, right. Right. but as far as the support system for a family, the church can very much be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we have done just recently, uh, is to address this sense of isolation, really, that I think a lot of our families face. Yes. Uh, You know, we, we wake up in the middle of the night and we think I have this big thing coming up. I mean, I don't know if you ever do this, Colleen, we think (laughs) who is going to, who's going to help me because really max is more, if, if I'm in a hospital setting or something that's kind of challenging, I cannot manage Max by myself. I have to. It's a two-person job.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, I went through that last night when I was awake and knowing that John had strep and an ear infection and our interview today, and I thought, okay, what are we going to do here, Lord? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I think a lot of our families really face that, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's this constant: how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And uh, so, what I did this fall was to form a team around us Hmm. i choose i chose nine people that really are already in our lives so these are people who uh have been teachers for max past and present people at church who have stepped in in really wonderful ways with max Hmm. uh we have some close friends nine people who have basically already said yes i'm here for you i'm here for max and I asked if they would become a team so that our lives would no longer be me in the center trying to hold everything together, but I could connect those people around us so that they could get to know one another and they could be more of a circle that holds us in the center rather than me holding everybody else.
1: And that so we're calling phenomenal. We're
0: calling that our go-to team. And so that I have a circle of people who have already said yes, so that when I wake up in the middle of the night in a panic, which, you know what, is just really my specialty, (laughs) (laughs) I I can remember, wait, I have this circle who will help me think, who will help me work through a problem that's coming up, who will help me hold some of these challenges so that it's not all on my shoulders. So, you know, I think that's something that that as the church, we can help families do too. It's not that the church has to be the whole circle, but to help our families build that network yes. so yeah. that it's not all, you know, the weight on our shoulders, it's just sometimes Uh, Really unbearable.
1: Well, it really is. I mean, as you well know, it's been associated with soldier stress and those coming back from war and the PTSD. It's not just for veterans, it's parents who have no let up at all, ever. Now, you reached out to this group, you chose Mm -hmm. them, you reached out. Did you need to educate them on anything, or was I mean, were they yeah. in the know a little? Okay.
0: Well, I sent them a letter that was um, had a lot of humor in it because I didn't want to scare anybody away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll get free car washes. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> Come through the car wash. And
0: everybody that, that received the letter said yes immediately. A few people wanted to talk to me and ask me, well, what exactly is this? Which was great. And um, so people were actually thrilled that I reached out because some of them were saying, we've been trying to figure out what we do and and mm-hmm. how we help, but now you've given us a structured system to actually do that. Did so- you have
1: a list of things that you needed help with that you could say, here are some things that you can do?
0: Well, what I what I said basically is that the stress level at times is uh, like, you know, the cartoons that our kids like to watch Mm. where the, like the anvil, the giant 10 ton anvil falls (laughs) on the little mouse and he walks away flat. And I said, that is essentially (laughs) what I feel like at times. And I need to know that I have people to reach out to and I need people to think with me when there's an emergency and Max has to go into the hospital for testing. Mm -hmm. If I can't find somebody, can I send a message to the team? And either somebody on the team can come or they can reach out to their connections and put out the alarm. Emily and Max are in need Here's, let's go to work and find some help for them.
1: Emily, as you talk about a team, um, I mean, I know that we have a genetic profile. We have a sleep study on John. We have his vitamins and his supplements. We have his doctors. I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff. Did you Mm -hmm. make a list of that for your team? I do.
0: I, I have a running list that uh, I try to keep updated on medications and just basics of every day. Uh, I have a list running of where funding sources come from. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I were taken out of the picture, hopefully temporarily, uh, <laughs> somebody would need to know, so who do we talk to about getting funding for extra support? Coming in if Emily isn't able to be there, so you know I, I began to realize that I have uh, twenty-three years, probably mm-hmm. worth of disability knowledge and contacts that are swimming around my head, mm-hmm. and I need to I need to put those things down because that's a it's a great resource, but other people aren't going to know that information, so. That's um, It's not that much fun to sit and write all those things out, but when you think about the consequences of not doing it, it's uh, it's pretty motivating.
1: Well, I bet it really is because you know there will be help. Now, have you coordinated with your local police department? Because a lot of them have um, a profile sheet that you fill out as well.
0: Right, exactly. And that's an important thing for for families to do and with the police department and with the fire department mm-hmm. and make sure that they both know that if they get a call from your house that you have a individual in the house that might not respond as they expect.
1: <laughs> Just maybe. Is that an understatement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, and really what I'm hearing you say is you took the lead in that. And so you've got to hear about taking responsibility, about being motivated to pursue these things and not sitting back and being resentful. Well, my church hasn't come to me to do mm-hmm. this. They may not know or be afraid or they may be afraid to know what to say. So... Exactly. It's our job to step up. Now, on the flip side, let's say, because our numbers are so high, Mm -hmm. when a child at church is throwing a fit, stop Mm -hmm. judging. (laughs) Just stop. I'm at the place now where I think I'm going to just say that directly. Here's what you do. You say, can I help you carry anything? Is there something I can get for you? What do you need? And it's our job then to say, you know, thank you. This is what I need. That's working okay. together. It is.
0: And, you know, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I'm so thankful for our church. This has been really an amazing journey. And I, I had probably spoken in our last interview about Max's journey into church and how we were home for five years because... Really, we couldn't go anywhere, so church was no different than anything else. But over the course of our being back there and getting in in some kind of unconventional ways, Mm -hmm. we started at the end and came for the cleanup hour, and we did that for six years. And Max got to know everybody. It was a beautiful way to connect, for Max to connect with the church. He started greeting He began serving at the Welcome Center. So now, essentially, Max comes to church to serve. It has changed what I'm saying. God has used Max to influence the culture of our church. He has used Max to break something open Mm. and make our church more beautiful This past Sunday, uh, the music team got up, and they the last worship song was, was, uh, it would get you going. Mm -hmm. And they all kicked their shoes off, and they said, we're going to ask the whole church to worship like Max. And they started jumping up and down, and here's Max, who's always in the back. He stands up on this platform. He's jumping up and down. I look around the church. I mean, I have chills just saying it oh. and people are jumping for joy all over the church. And I thought, now that that is a beautiful picture from having years at home when we couldn't figure out how to get there to having the music team say to the entire congregation, we are all going to worship with a kind of joy Max when he Max has when he worships.
1: Is that is that amazing? It's so incredible because just yesterday on the Colson Center site, this fits perfectly, Emily, was this, this passage from 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is in the body of Christ. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important, are actually the most necessary. Mm -hmm. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest of care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while we are more honorable to the parts that require additional care. God's put the body together in such a way that we all have dignity. There's harmony and unity in this plan. Max has contributed to your community in a life-changing way because they chose to be one body
0: exactly and you know I, I love that scripture because it uh, in the NIV it it says the parts that seem weaker are indispensable yeah and yes. I, I love that word indispensable like we cannot be. The church without these parts that seem weaker. And yet, the weaker parts I have seen in our own church, they create this beauty within the church. It's like something truly breaks open in hearts when they see someone worship without worrying about what somebody else thinks.
1: Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh,
0: it's extraordinary. And I watch Max get up close to people and how they are changed and how all of a sudden they feel it and they catch his joy and they start to dance and people are trying to call Max over. So he'll kind of do that beautiful dance next to next to them. It's amazing. And now the door has opened for others to come in. There are quite a few with autism coming through the doors of our church and it's Wonderful. I sit next to one behind. When I go in, I sit behind one young man named Andrew and I absolutely love Andrew. He's about six, six.
1: And... Well, Max isn't much shorter.
0: <laughs> Max is a big guy. Yeah. Andrew will imitate the last word of every sentence that the pastor says. And he does the same hand gestures that the pastor is using. It's beautiful and i always tell our pastor paul who is such a good man Mm -hmm. and i always tell him paul you always know that there is one person hanging on every word of your sermon
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's one person that has not gone to sleep on your sermon (laughs) you know (laughs) and you you purposed and there are things in the church so i called our church and i said i don't want to be treated any different just because my dad's the pastor Mm -hmm. if this is okay that's great, if it's not okay, I'm fine. But I would love for John to be involved. And so he started to be a greeter and he mm. wanted to wear his tux every oh. time he <laughs> greeted. He was the I only greeter it. in a tux. <laughs> I love it. And they they were okay with that. And it, it did open their eyes to, look at how kind he is and how unassuming And Mm -hmm. how hard he has to work because the noises and the sounds and the colors and it's so overwhelming. Right.
0: Exactly. I watch people come to the door of our church and I have a feeling you see this too, Colleen. And, you know, people come in and they're kind of hurried and they're thinking about a thousand things. Mm -hmm. And then they approach someone like Max or someone like John. Mm -hmm. And I watch... I watch them transformed. Mm-hmm. I, I just I watch them come into Max's joy and Max's excitement for the fact that he is in church. Mm. And it's like their armor falls off. All of a sudden they come in hurried and worried. And I see the expressions on their faces just change. And it's like they're free and they're they come
1: in ready to worship. It's an extraordinary wow. gift. That is a gift, Mm -hmm. and that passage talks about that being a gift. One of the things I wanted to ask you in the book, Dancing with Max, it is said, um, it was one of the reviews. It says, journey with Emily as she takes you from her darkest days of pain. To her adventure through life, Max Max becomes the tour guide, shining light on all of us. His resilient spirit has even unraveled the thinking of the brightest minds, including his own grandfather, Chuck Colson. As Emily recalls her experiences, we discover that Max's disability does not so much define who he is, but it reveals who we are. What has he revealed about you? (sighs) I know. I'm glad I'm asking you that question. <laughs> I'm not going to have to answer it. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, life with Max really strips off all the layers. Yeah. Uh, the things that shouldn't have been there in the first place get peeled right away. I don't know if you found that, Colleen. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> I found early on a lot of friends. It teased out friends I had yep. that I thought were you know, wonderful friends. And suddenly they kind of disappeared because it's hard to be present with someone who is struggling and whose life is difficult. And uh, I think it takes God's strength in order for us to truly be present in the suffering of another person. Long term and early on, boy, it was a struggle. Mm. But I loved Max so much. Mm. I think what I find on a daily basis Mm. is Max helps me find where my patience limit is
1: (laughs) every day. Never pray for it. (laughs) No.
0: Sometimes people pray for patience for me, and I think, please don't do that. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you guys. I've got to fix this. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Please pray for anything. Pray, <laughs> pray for money, but not <laughs> patience. <laughs>
0: right. uh, I there have been times that have been extremely difficult, mm. more difficult than I think um, most people could even imagine, unless you are. Are on this journey.
1: What's an example of
0: that? Well, I'll, I'll give you kind of a recent example. Okay. You know, Max is 25, and I would love to say, oh my goodness, all of our challenges are behind us. <laughs> everything, everything is wonderful now. We have so many blessings and so many gifts that I would not trade for anything, and I am so thankful for. But the journey is very challenging. Uh, This fall, Max had a stretch, and I have no idea what caused it, what triggered it. Okay. But every Tuesday night, about 8 o'clock as he was getting ready for bed, he just became extremely anxious. And uh, without giving too many details that I, I don't want to make it difficult for Max because you know what? He tries his hardest and Mm. I think sometimes the autism is out of his control. But it was so difficult. He would be um, two inches from me Mm. just uh, crying and yelling and asking for the same thing over and over and it would go sometimes until uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And oh, there were um, there was one night Colleen where uh, there was no way for me to separate from it and I-, I needed to separate from it. Max needed separation so that he could calm down. And uh, I had really had nowhere to go but to walk out into my front yard and get in the car and uh, jump in the front seat and lock the door. Mm-hmm. And I felt so defeated and so humiliated. And to see my child standing on the porch yelling out, you know, mom, I'll calm down, I'll calm down, and just sitting there quietly. And I remember initially thinking uh, my neighbors just must be looking out the window, and people would not believe how complicated autism can get. Oh. And as I sat there by myself in the dark, I began to look up at that dark sky and those bright white stars. Mm. And I thought, even in this, God is still on his throne. Jesus is still who he says he is. It is not about the circumstances I am in. God's power and strength and beauty and truth does not depend on my circumstances. Mm. And that's where we find our hope. That's it. That's our hope. I'm thankful that that patch has calmed down. It came in as strangely as it went out, but we were months uh, going through that. But God is still, he is still who he says he is. And that is our hope because we don't always know if our circumstances are gonna change. You know, there's a strong possibility, uh, apart from God's intervention, that Max will have autism his whole life, right? right? We kind of know that about right. our kids. We, right. we, uh, we know God's power uh, is able, he's able to do anything. And he could choose to change those circumstances uh, in, in a second. Uh, we also know that there are circumstances in our lives that we will have to endure and face and that don't end nice and neat and pretty. And we can look back and say, goodness, we got through that. Look at that. Some things continue. Some things will be a struggle our whole lives. However, God still promises, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What that experience and what other experiences do for me and what they can do for us is cause us to continue to seek God in the midst of it.
1: Yes. Yes. And he gets right. blamed a lot of times when our yeah. circumstances don't change the way we mm-hmm. want them to and mm-hmm. the way we have faithfully prayed. Be, mm-hmm. But our hope is in a change of circumstance, not right. in Christ.
0: Right. Right, and of course we want those circumstances to be fixed. Of course we do, right? Yeah. And yet there there are times in my life, and you've probably felt this too, Colleen, where it is so challenging that I am breathing in and with every breath I am breathing out, die to self, Yeah. die to self. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I do that for an hour, sometimes it's two hours where I'm just... Asking God with every breath to give me that strength and to undo myself. You had a dear friend who used to say, uh, breathe out me and breathe in Jesus, mm. that we need that kind of uh, intimacy with with Jesus, where he is in our every breath and we are aware that he is. He is our every breath. And Sometimes when I'm in that tough place, I am reminded that maybe this is exactly where God wants me to be personally. Maybe this is where he wants me to be, where I am that dependent. And I am reminded on my uh, of my dependence on Christ.
1: Well, another thing that I wanted to point out, um, for many who have the diagnosis of autism or a developmental disability, there are what is called comorbid syndromes and i don't know if Matt, well anxiety would be one of them obviously which he struggled mm-hmm. with jonathan has had all of the has all of these but there's gastrointestinal issues seizure mm-hmm. and epilepsy intellectual disability adhd bipolar obsessive compulsive disorder tourette's and tick disorders clinical depression visual problems and then there are all the therapies that they say Early intervention, early intervention, which there does need to be early intervention. It
0: does.
1: But the therapies, we did all of them, speech and language, occupational, weighted blankets and weighted clothing, vitamins and minerals, alternative diets, vitamins, essential oils. (laughs) And I thought, I I put my hope, I thought these things are going to help him Mm -hmm. when essentially it was, Colleen, these things you're trying to fix him. We need to define the difference between Helping and supporting and then wanting to fix. John doesn't need to be fixed. He needs to be supported. So finding my, I ran into a wall when I realized he got so much worse. After all this work, my hope was not in Christ. It was in this. And I didn't know how to hope in Christ. I felt like he had let me down. Mm-hmm. When essentially he had called me to his side, it's all I had left. So yeah. talk a little bit about hope, Emily. Like you just mm-hmm. shared and mm-hmm. finding that
0: well, and and I went through something similar when uh, you know, when Max turned eight, nine years old, mm-hmm. that was sort of the cutoff where specialists were saying. Well, if you do this therapy, you can cure them as long as you get them in that therapy before eight or nine right. years old. Right. And, and so when Max was that age, he hit that magic age. It was devastating. And I I don't know that I felt so angry at God. I, I think I felt shocked that I could not do it because I was pouring everything into it. I was, you know, I I... Ordered all of the medical journals about autism back then, and so I was reading what the doctors were reading.
1: <laughs> like I really. They probably understood. asked you like they used to ask me. Well, are you a doctor? I'm like, no, I'm a mother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It comes with the territory.
0: Exactly, and I think there was a there was a part of it. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, there was a part of it that I wanted to find the cure. To change Max's life and to make his life easier,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was another part of it that I wanted to find the cure for myself, so that I knew uh, I I'm the one. I'm the one. I was able to do this for my child, and so it was devastating when I I got to those tough years. I mean, it got it got tougher by the time Max so did was ours. Not yeah, yes. yeah, yeah and i talked to so many families where those are really tough years 8 9 10 11 12
1: 13 14 15 16 15, 17 15. <laughs> <laughs> yes they, they are
0: it's really challenging and i i don't say that to discourage families but if there's a family listening that's in that place um it, it you are not alone in that hmm. struggle um i'm i'm so thankful that max has made tremendous Progress. Now he has not in any way lost his diagnosis of autism, (laughs) but he's made progress. And we do want to give our kids every chance, every opportunity. So I, I think we need to recognize that those are good things getting our kids in the right schools and having a good diet, having a healthy diet. You know, Max is on a a pretty strict diet, mm-hmm. and that helps him. I am on a really strict diet, not because I want to, but for health reasons, and that helps me dramatically. So, you know, exercise, doing things that are really uh, logical and uh, good nutrition, vitamins, you know, yes. there's, there's yes. logical things we do, but there are also those things that are pretty far fetched that we reach for in desperation. So, we need to be smart about that. And at the same time, I think we need to think about how we love our kids even if nothing ever changes. Mm-hmm. So our, our love can't be contingent in any way on, you know, I, I I love you, but I want to fix you. It needs to be, I love you exactly as you are. Let's see what help we can get for you, right? Right. I think for right. our families to recognize that distinction.
1: Yeah, that's very important because we can become so spiritually disillusioned because right. they really do reveal what's in us. It's not our right. circumstances.
0: Right. So, right.
1: so many of us think, well, if I know the Lord and I pray hard, then my circumstances right. are to get better. When, right. gosh, every time I open my Bible they had pretty terrible circumstances.
0: <laughs> doesn't look so good, does it?
1: Yeah. No. And I, I just think, never. let's get back into the word that says, your circumstances are going to stink. And that doesn't mean God is bad or that he's made a mistake or forgotten you. It means mm-hmm. this world is fallen and He has he provides himself for us 24-7.
0: Yes, he does. You know, I was just reading in Matthew, and I wish I could tell you exactly where it was, but my mind doesn't hold numbers. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) It's holding other things, but it doesn't hold numbers. Uh, The story of the blind man Mm. who, um, there was a crowd who was coming, and the blind man was not part of the crowd, following Jesus. The crowd was following Jesus, and the blind man called out, from uh, the side of the street called out to Jesus and called him Lord, Mm -hmm. knew he was Lord. And I think about how Jesus stopped the crowd, first of all, was saying, be quiet to this man. It's kind of familiar, I think, for a lot of our families who are struggling to get into church. The crowd was saying, be quiet. Mm -hmm. But Jesus stopped and turned and said something like, Um, what is it that you want me to do for you? I thought that's so interesting because Jesus would have already known, right? (laughs) He knew, but he wanted this man to ask. Mm -hmm. And when he said he wanted his sight, Jesus could have healed him instantly if he had wanted to do it that way. But Jesus reached over and touched his eyes Mm -hmm. to heal him. Uh, See, It's that intimacy. Jesus did not have to touch his place of hurt, his place of need, his uh, woundedness. He didn't have to actually touch him, but he chose to touch him. And that's the kind of intimacy we can count on in Jesus, that he will touch us in our most broken, wounded place of need.
1: And sometimes we have to wait on that because yes. like you were sitting in the car with Max mm-hmm. screaming, mm-hmm. waiting for the Lord to touch your heart. Yes. He's not on our time. And that's the other thing I've had to learn is human time right. and God time are two very different times.
0: Yes, they are.
1: <laughs> and yes, so patience is essential. Well, you, yes. you recently spoke at Washington, D.C., Evangelical um, for Life Evangelical conference.
0: for Life conference. Yes, we had the most wonderful time. It was right before the March for Life and just a great time to be together and think through some of these issues of the sanctity of human life
1: that's critical because as they do a lot of the genetic studies and a lot of the dna studies they are doing now through various organizations they're even taking it to the point of well if there's a positive almost like it is with downs and the amniocentesis and Mm -hmm. there's a whole there's a whole moral level that i think we're going to get to in the future you Mm -hmm. spoke and you wrote to me and said from womb to tomb tell Mm -hmm. me about that
0: well the awesome thing At this particular conference, as we were getting ready for the March for Life, which, by the way, was in the midst of a giant blizzard in Washington, (laughs) D.C. That's right. The wonderful thing was to be able to talk about these issues as they apply to the unborn baby in the womb, Mm. but also to the disabled, also to the elderly, Mm. and one of the examples I gave, actually, I have with me that I would love to show you. Yes. Um, when we think about the sanctity of human life, we talk about that a lot in our churches. Uh, I, I hope our churches look um, like they believe in the sanctity of human life as well as um, profess our beliefs and and that means filling our churches with people with disabilities and people that the world pushes aside because God has placed his image in every single life. Mm-hmm. So I have this little silver cup. It's very old and it's tarnished and it's dented and it's scratched and the inside is very scratched. I don't know if that happened from where or if it happened that way when it was made if you were to see this little silver cup in an antique shop i don't think you'd probably stop and pick it up it's not very beautiful if you were to if they were to put a value on this in that shop i don't think it would get very much from a worldly perspective it really isn't worth all that much and yet this cup is precious for one reason because on the bottom there is a tiny mark that's the mark of my great grandfather this cup is precious because it bears the mark of its creator every life is precious because every life is made in the image of God every life bears the mark of our creator. Our value is not determined by what we can or cannot do. Our value is not determined by our dents or scratches or scrapes or age. We are valuable. We are precious because we are God's.
1: And nowhere in scripture does he say we're valuable and we're his if we're able. It just says you're valuable, you're God's, period. And isn't that great news for all of us? I'm so glad because the gents are only getting bigger. (laughs) (laughs) But what a wonderful analogy that is. Mm. And you can't even see that on the bottom. So you wouldn't think two things about it. No, it's so tiny. And this is so
0: precious to me. Mm -hmm. Um, There are only a few of the pieces left that my great grandfather made. And so they become even more precious and they're precious because of that mark, just as we are precious because we bear God's mark.
1: Emily, I think we could just sit and talk for another five hours, (laughs) but I don't think anyone (laughs) wants to listen. As we bring this into a close, we've talked about so many different things. Um, I sat down this morning and I thought, you know, what what have I learned from John knowing that we would talk about not just their challenges, but their value and where we find our hope. And so I just wrote this little piece. Because I wish people could see, as maybe you also believe, the inside of my son or the inside of Max, which is totally authentic, totally real. Just no hidden agenda. He is who he is. But I wrote this, if I had only known, I held you close and softly cried a lifetime diagnosis. Many dreams then died. I wondered how we'd make it your sister, brother, and me. It was not the family I expected or wished that it would be. But over time things have changed because of who you are. A child of God. My teacher, my hero. I swore I wasn't gonna cry when I read this. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Colleen.
0: That's <laughs> I am, I am... trying to keep it together because i'm you have me on
1: camera here (laughs) that's beautiful but over time things have changed because of who you are a child of god my teacher my hero a brightly shining star what this world will never see is what's inside of you a natural pure heart authentic and so true because of you i have learned life's many heartaches And to cry when my heart breaks. I don't have to hide or pretend to be who I'm not. To be real is to be free to smile and laugh a lot. To celebrate life's little steps to love you as you are. To ask God for his help when life seems oh so hard. You've taught me to be kind, to accept and love and serve. There's so much more joy in giving than talking or being heard. I've learned how ugly I can be, full of pride and self. You've taught me when life is, is hard, it's okay to ask for help. But most of all, you've shown me that life's not about what is said. It's not about accomplishments, how much I have or what I've read. Thank you, son, for showing me that what matters in this life is to cling to God, accept his ways, no matter the calm or the strife. That is beautiful. But don't they teach us that?
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They really turn life inside out for anyone blessed enough and brave enough to Mm. get up close. And so often we push away someone like Max, someone like John. We think we don't have time for them. It causes us to slow down right? Ah, And we feel sorry for someone like Max or John, or someone like the two of us as moms. There's a lot of, um, uh, unfortunately, a a lot of misunderstandings that would make someone pity our circumstances rather than have compassion on our circumstances and join in with us um, to help Carry the the burdens and the joys,
1: and to find the humor in it, and to be and, so free. Oh, it is awesome. I will tell you, we laugh at everything. <laughs>
0: you have to. You really right. I mean, if we lose our sense of humor, we are done.
1: <laughs> right? um, six feet I, under.
0: Yes. Right, we are done because a lot of the stuff that happens is is very funny. <laughs> <And> she, <laughs>
1: It is very funny. Yeah. And, uh,
0: a lot of stories we probably can't even share here, but they are so... <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I I really can't share a lot of things. <laughs> no, very, very funny. Uh, Emily, will you speak to the person who... They're looking at this, and it's really dark right now. And yeah. they're still at the place where they want their circumstances to change. And mm-hmm. God has been really unfair, they feel. And they don't find a lot of hope.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I have to say that my faith has grown in this journey with Max. And yet there are many times where I bounce up and down like a yo-yo. And um, it's not that I question God, but I think I just fall down on my face mm-hmm. and cry, help. You know what is happening. This is too complicated. And uh, beg him to intervene. I know how painful this can be and confusing this could be. I, um, I want you to know that as I look back on this journey, as hard as this has been, it has been Extraordinary. I don't think we are made to live comfortable, predictable lives. Not when we live lives in Christ. I think God gives us a grand adventure in which we have to hold on tight to Him. It isn't going to look like other people's adventure. God, as we know from that beautiful scripture, He designs each. Part of the body to be unique. That means me, that means my child, that means you. Every single one of us is designed with a unique purpose. That does not mean it's going to be easy or comfortable. It isn't. But Jesus told us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. God will grow you to have compassion on those around you who are struggling in similar ways. There will be times down the road where you will be able to comfort someone else Mm -hmm. who is going through something profound and you will be surprised at the well you have to draw on. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to love your child Mm -hmm. for exactly who God has made them to be the other day uh max went to a tim tebow prom we went to the (laughs) tim tebow prom we did too (laughs) we had so much fun max got into that it was in a country club because in new england we don't have churches big enough to hold, hold a prom we have little new england churches But we got into that country club, and Max immediately ran over and found all of the vacuum cleaners. So that was the first (laughs) half of our time at the prom. But then it was so beautiful how we stopped in the middle, and we had a message of the gospel from video, and then the pastor of the church that hosted the event gave the message of the of the gospel, and then. They gave out Bibles to every single person that came. Now, in some parts of the country, that might be really ordinary stuff. But in New England, trust yes, me, no. that is a new, a unique and beautiful thing to That's do. That's
1: amazing. It's fabulous.
0: Yes. And Max got that Bible, and he ran into the back room where he had placed all of the vacuums. And he was <laughs> no longer interested in looking at those vacuum cleaners, he sat on the couch and he opened up his Bible and he said, Mom, please give me space. I'm just reading my Bible. He read that Bible the whole way home. He read it when he got into bed the other night. He has a children's Bible, too.
1: Yeah.
0: He picked that up two nights ago. And he started at the very beginning and he said, Mom, I'm going to read the whole thing. And I thought, oh, Max, it's late. (laughs) You know, part of me is saying, I don't think we have time. And then the other part's thinking, how do I tell my child, no, you have to stop (laughs) reading your Bible? So I let him read and we read together for a little bit and he read out loud for most of it. And it took two hours And the look on his face that he had read the Bible cover to cover in one sitting, oh my goodness, he was so full of joy. And I looked at him and I thought, you know what, my pastor is so right when he said about Max years ago when when he hardly had any language, the Holy Spirit speaks Max's language. And I can see that when Max picks up his Bible and doesn't want to put it down, when he chooses his Bible over a vacuum cleaner, when he chooses his Bible over going out and dancing with his friends, when he stays up for two hours to read his Bible cover to cover. There are extraordinary experiences in this journey of special needs, and I want any mom who is starting out or any mom who is down the road on this journey, still parenting an adult with a significant disability to watch for those moments of beauty because they make it all worth it.
1: They make it all worth it. You know, Emily, we've talked about all the other things going, not all, But we've touched the surface on so much of autism, and yet it really is about setting aside the vacuum cleaners, the jobs, the time frame that we think we can or can't make, setting aside sometimes our friends, and being alone with God's word. Max Mm -hmm. just taught me something. (laughs) So tell him thank you. (laughs) Tell him. Um, and give him a big hug for me. And if he wants to vacuum my car, he can. We'll
0: come over, anytime. All
1: right. He'll bring his own vacuum. Well, we have several ourselves, actually, so they could share. <laughs> Emily, if there's a way for people to get a hold of you, how can they find you and connect with you? Yes. Thank
0: you. They can easily find me on Facebook. I do check that every day. Emily Colson. You can go to Emily Colson ministries at gmail.com. That's a great way. Uh, You can go to my website, but I am so low tech that I'm really bad about updating it and it will just send you to my Gmail account. But you can also go to EmilyColson.com and find that information. And I would love to connect with parents uh, or churches or anyone who would like to further this discussion. It would be great.
1: Emily, thank you so much for sharing the wisdom that you have learned through the years. And thank you for staying in the game with it and not giving up.
0: Hey, thank you, Colleen. I'm, I'm so thankful for you and how uh, you have encouraged me in my own life and how you encourage so many other families. It's, um, it's really an extraordinary ministry. So thanks for having me.
1: You can find the show notes and referenced resources in the podcast description or on our website, reframingministries.com. If you were impacted by today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you rated and reviewed the podcast, shared it on your social media, or share it with some friends who you think would be touched. You can email me personally at reframingministries@insight.org. at insight.org. If you'd like to be updated on reframing's activities and content, please feel free to subscribe on our website. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this
0: podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.